Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Imagine Jesus looking you in the eye and asking you this very personal question. Do you love me? Do you love me? How would you respond? I think many of us might say, of course, yes, Jesus. Yes, I love you. But what if Jesus looked at you with a very serious look? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Do you really love me with all your heart? Do you love me in all your thoughts? Do you love me in in all your words, the way you talk about other people, the way you talk with other people, what you tend to talk about? Do you love me in your words? Do you love me in your spouse? Do you love me in the way you treat your kids? Do you love me in the way you treat your friends? Do you love me in the way you give yourself to your work? Do you love me in what you look at on screens? Do you really love me? Do you surrender everything to me? You know, I think if Jesus were looking at me and I had a sense, he wasn't just saying, hey, do you love me, Ted? But actually, no, do you really love me? I'd probably feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I, I think I'd feel a little uh, a, a little badly about my lack of love because I, I would have to be honest saying, no, Lord, I, I don't love you as much as I should. I mean, I do love you, but I fall short in so many ways. Well, I think that's how Peter probably felt when he was asked this question in John's Gospel, chapter 21. Uh, This Sunday, the Catholic Church is presenting to us this magnificent gospel story in John 21, where Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Uh, And it would have been a really hard, difficult, humbling moment for Peter. But it was also a profound, beautiful moment of an encounter with Jesus's mercy, with Jesus's amazing love for Peter, even in Peter's weakness, even in his messiness. And we can all relate. We all have a lot of Peter in us. There's times where we've denied Jesus, times where we've held back, times when we weren't loyal, we weren't faithful. We have many weaknesses, many sins, many faults, and Jesus calls us on it, but he also wants us to know his amazing love for us even in the valley of our weaknesses. So that's what we're going to take a look in this special edition of All Things Catholic this week. It's a special edition because I'm going to take you to the Holy Land. You want to go to the Holy Land? I'm going to take you there right now in the podcast. We're going to go on location to the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee, to the very place that commemorates this scene where Jesus asked Peter these questions, do you love me, in John chapter 21. I'd love to take pilgrims there. It's actually the first place I love to take them to so they can see the Sea of Galilee, which uh, is the center of Jesus's public ministry. It's where he called the disciples. It's where he preached the gospel, where he taught the parables, where he healed so many people. This is where he calmed the storm. He walked on water. I mean, it's just incredible to go there, dip your feet into the Sea of Galilee, to see it, to visualize all of those gospel stories we've come to know and love over the years. Now, some of you may want to not just go there kind of virtually here through this podcast. I bet there's many of you that would love to actually go there physically, to go on pilgrimage to the Holy Land. And I I have some exciting news. I know so many of you have been contacting me for two years. When when are you going to do your Holy Land pilgrimage, Dr. Shree? And I'm excited to be announcing uh, that I will be leading a trip November 4th through 12th to the Holy Land, my Holy Land pilgrimage, November 4th 
4th through 12th. And if you want to learn more, you can email me at holyland.edwardsri at gmail.com. That's holyland.edwardsri at gmail.com. And uh, you can learn about my small group pilgrimage. I do a small group. We're all together in one bus. So I don't do multiple buses uh, where we're, we're not together and we have to wait in long lines for bathrooms. No, it's all one bus. We're all together. We share meals together. We're, uh, we're able to enter into the sacred sites more profoundly. Many people who've gone on my pilgrimages in the past uh, and have been on other pilgrimages over the years. They've gone to the Holy Land multiple times. They've told me that my pilgrimage is different and that it's, it's much more prayerful. And, and, and that's what I'm really aiming for. We do biblical reflections at all the sacred sites, but I give you time to pray, to really take it in, to allow God to write the pilgrimage on your heart. So again, you can email me at holyland.edwardsri at gmail.com to learn more about the pilgrimage November 4th through 12th here this year in 2022. It's so exciting that Israel's open again. I have had other friends that have already started leading pilgrimages there again. Uh, It's wonderful that most of the COVID restrictions have been lifted, whether you're vaccinated, not vaccinated, whether you've had COVID or not had COVID. The Israeli uh, government is only asking for a a proof of a negative test. So again, want more information, you can contact me at holyland.edwardsri at gmail.com. Let's listen in to my opening biblical reflection right there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee from a pilgrimage I led a couple years ago to the Holy Land. Welcome to the special edition of All Things Catholic. We are here on pilgrimage in the Holy Land and we just arrived at our first major destination and that is the Sea of Galilee. It's nearing sunset here, and you can hear the waves in the background. The sun is going down. It's getting cooler here on a very hot day. And we are standing outside a church called the Church of Peter's Primacy. It's called that because of an amazing event that took place here between Jesus and Peter. And I wanna bring you into this biblical story. You can read about this in the last chapter of John's Gospel. Jesus comes to Peter in his resurrection. The risen Jesus comes to Peter and he asks Peter a very personal question. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Now, at first glance, we as readers today would say that this should be a no-brainer. Of course, Peter loves Jesus. I mean, this is Peter the fisherman who left his fishing nets behind, gave up everything to follow Jesus. For three years as a disciple, of course, Peter loves Jesus. We should be thinking, wow, this is Peter, the one whose name was Simon, but was changed to rock. And he's going to become the rock upon which the church is going to be built. He's given the keys of the kingdom. He's the first pope, of course. He loves Peter. But the word that's used by Jesus in John's gospel would make Peter pause. The word that Jesus uses for love would give Peter some hesitation. You see, Jesus uses the word agape for love, which is perfect, total, sacrificial, unconditional love. It's the love that Jesus himself models for us on the cross. That's the word that Jesus uses. He doesn't use another word for love, which is commonly used in the time, uh, a word that describes ordinary human friendship, filio. Jesus doesn't use that word, ordinary human affection, human friendship, good, but not perfect. That's not the word Jesus uses. Jesus uses the highest word for love, agape. And he says, Peter, do you love me with agape love? 
and that makes G Peter pause. Now, I actually think Peter, when he was younger, earlier in his career, I think if Jesus came to him and said, hey, Peter, do you love me with agape love? Peter would have said, yeah, of course, Lord. You know, little, little sanguine Peter, overconfident, overzealous Peter, I think would have said yes a few, a few years ago, maybe even a few months ago. I mean, this is the Peter, if you recall, do you remember at the Last Supper what Peter did? Jesus comes to wash Peter's feet. And what does Peter do? He says, no, you shouldn't wash my feet. And then, and then Jesus says, no, I have to do this. And, you know, and, and then Peter says, okay, then wash my whole body. And he says, no, 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 just the feet. That's fine, Peter. <laughs> you know, this is the same Peter who at the Last Supper says, Lord, I'll go anywhere with you. I'll go to prison with you. I'll die with you. And we know what happens a few hours later that night. He denies Jesus three times. So in his earlier part of his life as a disciple, Peter was overconfident. He had a high estimation of himself. He thought he was a pretty good disciple. And yet we know he failed and failed miserably on Holy Thursday night. So this is a different Peter now. This is a Peter who's come to a greater level of self-awareness. He had to face the truth of his own weakness and what he did on Holy Thursday night, denying Jesus three times. And so picture this moment. This is the first time that Jesus and Peter are having a one-on-one -on -one conversation since the threefold denial. And imagine you're Peter. I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes and Jesus is looking you in the eye and he's saying, do you love me with agape love? I mean, imagine how ashamed Peter feels at this moment. <laughs> oh no, no, Lord, you know that I love you. That's what he says. And guess what word Peter uses for love? Not agape, the lower level of love, philia love. Peter basically says to Jesus, Lord, you of all people know how inadequate I am, how incapable I am of agape love. You of all people know how I, I, I can't give you that. The best I can give you is this weak, imperfect, fragile philia love. You know, Lord, I love you. That's the word that's used in Greek for Peter. Well, this again, this is a changed Peter, a humbled Peter, a Peter that's not coming to Jesus pretending he's better than he really is, a Peter that's not coming and saying, I can do all these great things, but it's a, a, an honest Peter looking at himself and saying, Lord, I do love you, but I, I don't love you as well as I should. I have a lot of weakness in my love, a lot of pride and selfishness and fear in my love. It's not, it's, it's not as great as it should be, and I'm sorry. Then Jesus comes and asks a second time, Peter, do you love me with agape love? Oh, and if I'm Peter, I'm like, ouch, that hurts. Do you have to ask me again? <laughs> oh man, Lord, you know, I can't love you with perfect agape love. The best I can give you is philia love, he says a second time. And then finally, the third time comes. On the third question, Jesus changes the word for love. He changes the word for love and he uses the word philia. He's not lowering the standards of love but he's gonna come down and meet Peter where he's at. He's gonna say, all right, Peter, can you, can you at least give me philia love? Can you give me that? I'll come down and meet you where you're at and I'll take whatever you can give. And that's when Peter finally says, Lord, you know everything. You know that this is the best I can give you, this messy, weak, imperfect philia love.
And this is the turning point in the whole story right here. If you don't remember anything else about the story, I want you to give me your fullest attention right now because what God does in Peter at this moment is what he wants to do in all of us as disciples. You see, God comes down and meets Peter where he is, not where Peter would like to be. Peter wants to be the noble disciple, the one who's willing to go to prison with Jesus and die with Jesus, but he knows I'm, I'm afraid, I'm a coward, I'm weak, I'm selfish, and I deny Jesus. <laughs> Peter finally is learning to come to Jesus as he really is. Not where he'd like to be, but honestly, this is where I'm at, Lord. And once Peter comes to Jesus like that, now Jesus can do amazing work in Peter that he couldn't have done before. You see, what happens is now that Peter's willing to come to him humbly as he is, not pretending, not covering up his weakness, but honestly, Lord, this is just... I got a lot of brokenness. I've got a lot of weakness. Lord, this is who I am. Jesus is going to come and change him. He says, Peter, one day you are going to go where you do not want to go. You will be led where you do not want to be led. And when your arms are stretched out, it's a prophecy. Do you know what this is a prophecy about? Peter's death. Peter will eventually go where he doesn't want to go. He's going to be led where he doesn't want to be led into Nero's circus in Rome. It's a prophecy about Peter's martyrdom. It's a prophecy about his martyrdom in Nero's circus in Rome, where Peter one day will live that perfect, total, Christ-like agape love. When his arms are stretched out, whatever his arms are going to be stretched out on? On a cross, as Peter is crucified upside down in Nero's circus. So Peter does live agape love. He's going to be transformed from this moment onward. From this moment right here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he's changed. A few weeks later, he's going to be in Jerusalem when the Spirit will come down upon him. And this same Peter that was so afraid to admit he even knew Jesus is going to boldly proclaim Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. 3,000 people are going to come to be baptized that day. This same Peter you're going to read about a couple chapters later in Acts the Apostle is going to be persecuted. He's going to be thrown into prison. He wanted to go to prison with Jesus, but couldn't earlier. But now he's changed and he goes to prison for Jesus. He's going to go to the ends of the earth. He's going to go to the heart of Rome and preach Jesus. And he's even going to be crucified, his arms stretched out on a cross in Rome. Peter does live agape love, but it all began right here. If I had to pick one moment in Peter's life that was most pivotal, I mean, there's so many great moments in his life when he was first called by Jesus on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, when he confesses the great faith that he has in Jesus up in Caesarea Philippi, says, you are the Christ. He's the first one to explicitly say you are the Messiah. Many great moments in Peter's life, but I think this is the most important moment because this is where he was, the transformation really began. This was what you could call Peter's second conversion. The first conversion took place on these same shores when he was first called by Jesus and he said yes and he leaves his nets behind and he'll go out to follow Jesus as a disciple to be trained to become a fisher of men. That was his first conversion. But the second conversion was harder. The second conversion was much more challenging. It was having to admit his own weakness and coming before Jesus humbly as he really is. Here's the challenge for all of you on this pilgrimage. And not just this pilgrimage, but the rest of your, our days in walking with Christ is going to be this. The first conversion 
is on one hand the easier one. Remember that moment. Maybe it was many, many years ago in your youth. Maybe it was when you were first married. Maybe it was when you first started having kids. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was last month on a retreat. I don't know. But do you remember that moment when your faith became a little more important to you? It wasn't just something you did, but it became more central. You wanted to learn more about your faith. You wanted to study the Bible or be in a small group. You wanted to grow in prayer where you were growing in a friendship with Christ. And then once you say yes to following Jesus, what happens? After that, it all gets really easy, right? It's easy to follow Christ. You just start obeying all the Ten Commandments and growing at all the virtues automatically. Is that what happens? <laughs> no, you start realizing how hard it is. Now that you're trying to swim against the tide, you're trying to swim against the current in your life, swim against your own weaknesses in your soul, now you realize how hard it is. And that's why the second conversion moment for Peter is so important for our own second conversion. You see, so many times we want to meet Jesus up here. I want to meet Jesus way up here. You know, I've got it all down. I've got my prayer life down. I'm in Bible study. I'm, I'm doing these great things at the parish and I got a great family life. I wish, I, I wish everything was all nice and clean and tidy so I can present myself before God as, a, as an unblemished sacrifice to the Lord. But the reality is you look inside your own soul and you see many dark spots, many weaknesses, fears, insecurities, hurts, sins. And then you look at your own marriage and you say, I got a great marriage, but also I'm not the spouse I should be. And I fall short in being a good husband to my wife. And you look at your own family life and you go, you know, I love my kids and I I, want to be a good dad, but I know I fall short in many ways. I've got many gaps in my, my parenting. And I look at how I live in Christian community and I like Christian community, I, I, and, but then there's moments where I get mad or I get impatient or I get jealous or whatever. And, and, and I notice all these weaknesses. What do I do in those moments? Many of us, we run away from that. Peter reminds us to humbly go before the Lord, to go not as we would like to be way up here, but as we really are. I think that's the most important message is this. God doesn't want to meet the ideal you. God doesn't want to meet the ideal you. He wants to meet the real you as you are right now. God doesn't want to meet that you that you hope to be someday, this perfect Christian you. God doesn't want to meet the you that you project on social media. I'm a great Catholic, happy family. God doesn't want to meet the pretend you that you like to project to everybody else. Like, hey, I want everyone else, I don't want them to know you know, how messy my life is. It's like when you have guests over to your house and all of a sudden you, you make your house really clean, but day to day, it's not as clean as it really is. That's what we do in our souls. That's not the real you. God wants to meet the real you as you are right now. And the real you might not be very pretty. But just as Jesus met Peter right here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, in his weakness, he wants to meet you and know that you are so loved by him, even in that weakness. God wants to meet the real you. And that's my invitation to you at the beginning of this pilgrimage is to take that time in prayer to go before the Lord with whatever burdens you're carrying in your life right now, whatever stresses and worries you're carrying, the stresses and worries that maybe the rest of the world doesn't see, your coworkers don't see, maybe your fellow parishioners don't see, but Jesus knows they're there. So there's no, no, no use hiding it from him. When we have all these moments where we're going to be praying all around Galilee here in the next couple of days, take that time to go before Jesus as you really are. Lord, 
I'm worried about this. I'm nervous about this. I'm stressed out about this. I, I'm anxious about this, whatever that is. Whatever wounds you're carrying, hurts that you're carrying in your life, bring that before the Lord. Whatever weaknesses you have, sins that you have, Lord, I, I'm struggling with a sin. I don't love you with agape love. Whatever shortcomings you have in, in your parenting or your friendships or your marriage, go before the Lord. I, I, Lord, I'm not living agape. You know, the best I can offer you is this. That simple prayer of just going to Jesus as you are and telling him, I don't love you as well as I would like to. I want to love you more, but I, I, I just admit this is where I'm at. The angels rejoice when a soul comes before the Lord like that. God the Father is leaping with joy when we come before him like that. Not when we're pretending, not when we're, we're, we're posing, but when we're really honest like Peter was here that day. That's when Jesus can come, meet us as we really are, and begin to work in our soul to heal us, to change us, to transform us, to take our weak, imperfect filial love and transform it into agape. Do you want to live agape love more in your life? We all do. We all know we have many ways we can grow. Then go to Jesus as you are and tell him, Lord, I'm falling short in these many ways and allow him to do the work he did in Peter. He wants to reproduce that transformation in you. That's the real second conversion that many Christians never get to. They're too afraid to look under the hood in their own lives and stare at their own weakness and honestly admit, I'm really broken. But it's only the souls that dare to do that. It took a long time for Peter to finally get that point, but he got there. He got there. He looked under the hood. He saw what a mess it was. And he said, Lord, you know, you of all people know, I can't love you up here. And that was the moment of great change. So let's turn to the Lord here on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and ask him to transform our weak, imperfect filial love into agape. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to this special edition of All Things Catholic recorded on location on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. If you'd like to learn more about my Holy Land pilgrimage, especially the one coming up November 4th through 12th, you can contact me at holyland.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's holyland, all one word, holyland.edwardsri at gmail.com. <laughs>